Howdy. That wasn't very good, y'all. Good morning. Ah, there you are. I knew there was somebody here this morning. If you would be taking your Bibles and turn with me to uh, John's Gospel, we'll be in John chapter 7 this morning. We'll be in the very last uh, verse of John chapter 7, verse 53, down through the first 11 verses of John chapter 8. So John 7, 53 through chapter 8, verse 11. As we continue walking through the Gospel of John, if you haven't been here with us, uh, just to let you know what we're doing as we walk through the Gospel of John is we're listening to John's purpose and his meaning for writing this Gospel. He wrote this Gospel so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, believing we would have life in His name. And so the whole reason we're going through this is so that we would know more of who Jesus is, that we would believe on who He is, and that by believing on Him and trusting in Him, we would have life in His name. And so as we walk through this uh, chapter this morning, or the first part of this chapter this morning, that's the reason we are looking at, at this piece of Scripture, is that we would know who Jesus is and that we would have life in His name. And so let's read through the verses together uh, first. Let me read through the, the whole story, and then we'll come back and we'll take it uh, verse by verse. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the temple came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, uh, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this. They said to test him that they might have something, some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, "Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her." And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. God, I pray as we look at this uh, piece of your word to us this morning, God, that you would speak to us. God, that you would speak through it uh, to us, Lord, that I wouldn't get in your way. Lord, I pray that our ears would be open, that our hearts would be open. God, that you would change us from the inside out. God, with this amazing, scandalous grace of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If I were to ask you this morning, what's that one thing that you have done that you hope nobody ever finds out about? What's that one sin, that one mistake you made that you wish you could go back and fix? What would it be? I'll tell you, mine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to tell y'all. Y'all are thinking you're going to get a piece of gossip this morning, I know. Right? Nobody wants any... No, none of us want anybody to know those things. We all want to keep those things to ourselves, and rightly so. Right? I mean, no one's going to be helped by us airing our dirty laundry in church this morning. But... What would happen if that happened to you? What if in the middle of doing the one thing you wish you would have never done, someone comes and grabs you and, and takes you and brings you down front in the middle of a church service and tells everybody? That's what takes place in this passage. 
When you look here in verses 53 through uh, down through verse uh, 8-4, you see these people doing that exactly that exact thing to this woman. What happens in the story to begin with is that Jesus is in the middle of teaching. We see here uh, in verse 1, it says that he went to the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again to the temple and all people came to him and he sat down and taught them. So Jesus is sitting down in the middle of everyone and teaching. They're having church. He is teaching the people uh, and he's teaching them. You, you can imagine, I'm standing up here this morning, I'm preaching. It's kind of opposite, right? All of them stood and he said... I, I don't know. Sometimes I get tired. Maybe we ought to swap out. I'm just kidding. But, but anyway, so he's sitting down and he's teaching. And as he is teaching, uh, verse 3 tells us that the scribes and Pharisees bring a woman who'd been caught in adultery and puts her in their midst. And so I just want you to picture this for a moment. that The church service that none of these people would ever forget happens on this morning. Like they bring a woman in in the middle of church, bring her down, march her down the aisle, put her in front of everybody and said, this woman was just caught in the act of adultery. Now, now what you need to understand is, in this culture, it didn't count unless you actually physically saw them. So imagine doing that one thing that you don't want anybody to know about, somebody finding out about it, bringing you down front, most likely, if not completely unclothed, at least partially unclothed, put you in front of everybody, put it on the screen and say, look at what we just caught this person doing. It makes you feel a little uncomfortable this morning, doesn't it? That's what they did to her. You can imagine her embarrassment. You can imagine her humiliation. You can imagine the feelings that she must be experiencing at this moment. Talk about a church service you never, never forget. In verse 5, they ask him a question. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Our, our first truth that we're going to learn from this passage this morning, we, we really see here in these first couple of verses, it's, that, it's that, that when we miss grace, when we don't understand grace, condemnation replaces compassion. There's not a lot of room for compassion when all we care about is condemnation. Like if we don't understand the grace of God, all we're going to have for people is condemnation. And, that, and that's what we see taking place here with these guys. They, they are so worked up. They are so ready to see this woman face the consequences of her sin. They have zero compassion for her. They've humiliated her. They're asking for the death sentence for this woman. It's interesting. Now, the passage that they're referring to, the law they're referring to out of Leviticus, is a real law. Only thing is, is that in Leviticus, it says to stone the man and the woman. But here they say to stone such women. Why is that? Probably because the, the guy that they caught her with was in on it. They were trying to set her up, trying to uh, use her, we'll see here in a minute, to trap Jesus. Maybe they were involved in such things themselves and they didn't see it as that big a deal. A little wink, wink, nod, nod, guys will be guys type of thing. They don't really care about the guy at this point. They just totally leave off part of this law that no one really practiced at this point in history anyway. And, and so they, they're out for their own agenda, and when they're out for their own agenda, and when we're out for our own agenda, when we're trying to condemn someone, you ever notice how easy it is to leave out the details that might condemn yourself, that might in, you know, bring you into the embarrassment? And so these guys, they give no thought to this woman. They give no thought to her dignity. All they care about is embarrassing, or all they care about is getting at Jesus. They could care less about anything else. Look at verse 6. This they said to test him, that they might have some charges to bring against him. 
So uh, they, they don't understand the grace of Christ. Remember, they hate Jesus. They don't like what he stands for. Remember, we talked about the, the passage that says that Jesus receiveth sinners and eateth with them, right? He even receives the eateth. But, but uh, he goes around and he shows grace, he shows mercy, he shows forgiveness to people that they don't feel like deserve forgiveness and mercy and grace. So they're doing whatever they can to get rid of him. They are trying to figure out a way to trap him. Uh, one, one guy says that they didn't love the law so much as they hated Jesus. They didn't care so much about keeping the laws. They cared about trapping Jesus and getting rid of Jesus because he continually lets people off the hook. They don't like grace. I would say that, that may even be a better way to put it. It's not so much that they love the law as that they hate grace. They don't like the idea of people not paying for their sins. And, and so they, they are putting Jesus in a trap. If he condemns this woman and she actually is condemned and she actually is stoned to death, well, the Romans are going to come down on him because the Romans reserve the right for capital punishment in this culture. So if there's capital punishment that takes place, well, then... Uh, Jesus is going to be on the hook and the Romans are going to come after him. If he doesn't, if he says, well, we don't really follow the law of Moses around here, we don't really obey Moses, well, then that's going to make him guilty of violating the law, the law of God or God's word. And so, no, they, they don't care so much about the law as much as they hate Jesus, as they hate grace, as they hate mercy. And we have to be careful that we don't fall into the same trap that they fell into of being more worried about being fair and about, about seeing people get punished than about actually loving Christ and loving the fact that He is so merciful He can forgive us of anything. Guys, we have to check our heart and make sure that we're not simply hating people for the sake of the simple fact that we want to see them get what's coming to them. You know, God even says in Ezekiel 18 a couple of places, He says, I take no, death, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. In fact, he says, I take no pleasure in the death of anybody. And God's whole purpose in showing judgment and showing condemnation is to draw us to grace, to draw us to mercy. But we have to be careful because we, we tend to take sin personally as if other people's sins are against us, like what they're doing they ought not be able to get away with. But we've got to remember who sin is actually against. Remember David, to bring up King David again, I usually try to bring him up somehow it seems like, but he committed adultery, he committed murder, he did all these terrible things. But when he prays and asks God to forgive him, you know what he says? He says, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. Against you and you alone have I done this terrible, terrible thing. His point wasn't that Bathsheba didn't hurt, and his point wasn't that his, he hadn't killed his friend. That, that wasn't his point. His point was that God was ultimately the one who he was responsible to. It's sort of like this morning. Imagine us walking out after church service and someone has uh, went through with, a, with a, you know, a crowbar or something and busted out everybody's windows and slashed everybody's tires. That's not actually happening, taking place. You know, get your mind off the things of the earth, put them back on heavenly things. Don't worry about your vehicle. It's fine. But imagine that actually took place. Everybody's vehicle but mine. And so... Everybody, we walk out, everybody's vehicles are, are vandalized except for mine. And I walk up to the guy who did it, and I'm like, you know what, man? We all got bad days and got to let off a little steam. No big deal. Be on your way. Are y'all going to be very happy with me? I, I mean, you didn't hurt my vehicle. I don't care, buddy. Head on out. I'll, I'll hold them off while you run. Y'all aren't going to be happy. You know why? Because he didn't mess with my vehicle. He messed with yours. You're the one who has to let him off the hook, not me. 
The, the offense wasn't against me. The offense was against you. The same thing's true of God. Sin is actually against God, not us. But we walk around wanting to bust everybody and, and pretend like their sin is against us. It's not a, why, why are we getting in everybody else's business for things that aren't our business? Guys, we, we forget about the rule that from when we're kids that we're not supposed to be tattletales. We're always worried about punishing the people around us when we ought to be showing them compassion and mercy and grace. These men drag this woman out here and throw her down not because they're excited about following the Lord or because they're excited about obeying the Lord. They're, they're wanting to prove that they don't really love grace. They don't really love mercy. And so what does Jesus do? It says here at the end of verse 6, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him. And so Jesus' response to them is the same response I have sometimes when I don't want to deal with a question the kids ask me, is ignore it. <laughs> like They come up and they're like, what should we do? And he looks at them and he goes, hmm. And he just keeps writing on the ground. But it says, and they continued to ask him. And so they, they've learned the same skill that my kids have, right? When I'm ignoring them, dad, 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 dad. Like they can even make a song out of it sometimes. That's what they're doing. Dad, dad, Jesus, Jesus, we ask you a question, Jesus. And so they break through his dad skills of ignoring them, and he finally answers the question. It says here uh, in verse 7, he stood up uh, and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. Jesus has no desire to condemn this woman. He's not walking into their trap. He's not getting involved in their childish, self-righteous game of pouring out condemnation on this poor woman that they, they're trying to use as an object lesson. See, he's, he's about to teach them a lesson that we all need to learn. Compassion takes the place of condemnation when we learn what grace really is about. When we learn from Jesus, compassion takes the place of condemnation because he focuses he calls us and he forces us to consider our own hearts and sinfulness before we condemn anyone else he stands up and he says okay i tell you what guys whichever one of you is perfect which one of you is not in sin currently or hasn't sinned today uh you cast the first stone why does he do this well because we we don't mind condemning other people as long as we get to continue to excuse our own sin. As long as we don't have to look in inwardly. Like, we all got excuses for our own sins, don't we? Like, we can condemn those people over there, but man, when we start talking about ourselves, it's like, well, you know, I totally wouldn't have done that if this wouldn't have happened. Or, you know, my sins, they, they have all good excuses. They all have all good reasons, but they're, those people, they're unexcusable. That's inexcusable. I can't believe they would do that. And so Jesus says, guys... Before you start condemning other people, you better check your own heart. This is not something new. Listen to what Matthew 7 says. He says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So here's what Jesus is saying. Introspection precedes condemnation. Or, as the Native Americans put it, you know, don't judge a guy until you walk a mile in his moskins. 
Like, don't, don't be judging other people until you actually know about their story. Don't be, don't be pouring out condemnation on other people until you actually consider your own heart and where you'd be if you walked a mile in their own shoes. And sort, sort of like this. Hey, what Jesus is saying, don't be doing eye surgery on somebody else because they have a little speck when you've got a board hanging out of your eye, right? So, like, say you're outside and you're working and you, you know, you're changing your oil or whatever on your car, and you get oil all over your hands, and you walk into your house, and your wife's over there, and she's got just a little something on her cheek. And you go, hey, babe, let me get that off for you with your oily hands and your grease and everything, and you just smear it all over her face. That's kind of what we do to each other, isn't it? Like we got all these issues, we got all these problems we don't actually want to deal with in our own lives, but we're going to go around and tell everybody else how to deal with theirs. And so we go around and we make this huge mess of these other people's lives because we've never actually considered our own heart. Jesus says before you start throwing stones at this woman, check your own heart, check your own life. Because when we don't, when we start with condemnation, we handicap grace. When we start with judgment, we handicap grace in our lives and in their lives. We're not able to help anyone if we don't ever deal with our own stuff. We don't deal with our own problems. And so make sure that before you call on God to destroy people, you actually consider your own heart and then figure out how you can help them. Let me, let me qualify this before, before we move on. Jesus doesn't say never judge. He doesn't say never help people out. He never says point out where people are wrong. He never says that. What he says is, is check yourself first. Be self-aware of your own sin first. Guys, there are times when judgment is actually necessary. There are times when we need to be aware that, oh, no, I don't need to be around uh, that or I don't need to be around that. And there's some times where we need to be aware of what other people are doing and help them. But self-awareness precedes that. Self-awareness is so important when we start trying to tell other people what to do. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 6. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, or if anyone is stuck in any sin, to, to put it more plainly, he doesn't say if you catch somebody doing something wrong, he's saying if anyone is stuck in any sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Who are those who are spiritual? Does he say you are, who are the most holy? No, the most spiritual people amongst us are the people who are most aware of their own problems. The people who are most aware of their own brokenness, the people who are most aware of the grace that they need from Christ. He's just got through talking about, in Galatians, he's just got through talking about how the, 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 the change that happens in our life is through the grace of God and through the Spirit of God. No, those who are spiritual are those who are, uh, the, the Spirit is producing fruit in, not those who are the most morally upright, the most self-righteous. No, he says, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. He doesn't say, go and find somebody who's stuck, find somebody who's in trouble, and beat them over the head. No, he says, go with gentleness, go with the kindness about you. Then he says, keep watch on yourself, lest you're tempted as well. Here's the thing, be aware that you're no better than they are. Be aware that the difference between you and them is the grace of God. Guys, the difference between us in this room this morning who Christ is working in and those outside this room this morning who Christ is not working in is grace. It is the power of God in our lives. The end of, in verse 3, he says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If you really think you got it all figured out, man, you're about to face big problems. You're just fooling yourself. If you really believe you got all the answers, you're missing it. And so Jesus looks at these guys. And he says, I'll tell you what, guys. Whichever one of you is without sin, you be the first one to throw the stone. 
So what do they do? Look at verse 9. But when they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the older ones. They walk away. And the reason they walk away is because when they consider their own hearts and the stuff going on in their own life, they didn't feel quite as good about condemning this woman. And that's really the case in our own lives. When we actually consider our own hearts and the stuff that we have done, it's kind of hard to judge the people around us, isn't it? Now hear me, I'm not talking about this stuff that everybody sees, because let's be honest, sometimes the difference between us and the person sitting next to us that we can judge is that their sin is out in the open. A lot of times we think if nobody knows about our sin, then we have a right to judge. Jesus says, consider your heart. Look inwardly. What right do you have to call for the punishment of this woman? What right do you have to condemn this woman? Ask yourself that this morning, guys. They're standing in front of Jesus. It's going to be really hard to stand in front of Jesus and say they deserve to be punished and go to hell and him knowing everything you've done. He knows everything you've done. Do you really want to stand in front of him and ask for the same punishment for yourself that you're asking for all the people around you you think are so terrible? So look inwardly, and what do you see? When we look inwardly, and here's the, the side note. If you look inwardly and you, before you judge somebody else and you say, man, you know what, I'm pretty good. I'm all right. You may have a problem. I mean, even the Pharisees walk away. Like, you have a worse problem than the Pharisees do if you still think you're all right. They even walk away. And so, just to sort of wrap up here, in in verse uh, 10, at the end of verse 10, it says, And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Everybody walks away except for Jesus. There's one left. See, Jesus doesn't have to walk away because he truly is sinless. He doesn't have any sin. He doesn't have any guilt. Well, he actually has the right to judge her, but does he? No, he doesn't. We'll see that here in a minute. But what we learn here is that everybody walks away but Jesus. And the reason everybody else walks away is because there's no one left to condemn you when you stand in front of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus, no one else is going to be left to condemn you. There'll be no one left to shame you, no one else to talk bad about you because his opinion is the only opinion that matters. And he is so much more merciful than his people are. So, so let's, let's get back. Uh, in verse 10, he says, uh, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Has no one actually carried out her punishment? And the answer is, is no. But he's still there. He is the only one qualified to carry out this punishment because he is God and because he is sinless. But then look at verse 11. Her response is, She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Go now and leave your life of sin. Which brings me to our final point this morning. Change comes from Christ's forgiveness. The change that he gives us happens because of what he gives us. Sort of backwards of the way that we think about the world. Like, I think I share with you on a regular basis every time I go to Kroger, I'm amazed at all the the, the magazines that promise to help you lose 20 pounds by the time you get in the car, right? I mean, those don't work. Why? We know they don't work because it takes actual work to change. It takes actual work 
to, to be rewarded. I, I know every time we sit down for dinner and my kids want ice cream, I say, you've got to finish your dinner first. You don't get ice cream until you finish your dinner. But what Jesus does, He gives you the ice cream first. I was thinking about this, like, man, I've been teaching works righteousness. I'm at the ask my kids for forgiveness. But no, he, he gives you the payoff first. He doesn't say, go and be perfect and I'll forgive you. No, he says, I don't condemn you. Go and live a life apart from sin. Go and change, be changed by the grace he offers you. He gives you the payoff up front. He's totally upside down. The grace that he gives you is actually the change that you need. He's actually going to set this woman free. She has a brand new reason to not commit adultery. She has a brand new reason not to live the way she is living. Imagine, uh, think about the difference of her mindset before, to, before this day and every day after that. Like she is on the verge of being basically half buried and her hands tied behind her back and people throwing rocks at her until she's dead. Like that's what she's facing. And then the one guy who's actually able to condemn her to this death says, eh, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. She is set free. She is given a second chance. She's given a new lease on life. Imagine the motivation, that being your motivation for changing the way you live. The problem is that so often we want to change the way we live because of what people think. We care about what people think, and so we want to change our lifestyle. We want to change the way we live because we care so much. Guys, that's a terrible way to seek lifestyle change. First off, other people aren't always around. Which means as long as you, you feel like as long as you hide your sin, you're doing good. Right? If nobody sees it, it doesn't count. If all you care about is what other people think about you, there is one who sees, and that's God, right? Secondly, other people's values change based on that day. Like if you're basing how good you are on what other people think about you and what their values are, you're going to be in trouble because it depends on who you're around. It's going to be hard to keep up with. Third, other people have impossible standards when they want to. If they're going to compare you and them, they're always going to win and you're always going to lose. Same thing goes for you. You can always figure out a reason why you're better than the people you're around. You just can. The fourth reason that this is a bad idea is because other people don't matter. Their opinion at the end of the day is going to do you zero good on the day you stand before Christ. You're not going to stand before him and say, well, people thought I was a good guy. He's going to say, yeah, but I know the truth. You're not going to stand before him and say, well, you know, everybody loved me. Well, they may have, but you didn't love Jesus. Your relationship with him is what matters, not your relationship with the people around you. Here's the deal. It's really somewhat scandalous for Jesus to pardon this woman in front of everybody and, and give her a free pass. But it's no more scandalous than the grace that these guys who brought her to him needed. And it's no more scandalous than the grace you need this morning. Guys, this lady didn't need any more grace than you need. You need the same grace she received. You need his forgiveness as much as she did. You need his uh, sacrifice on your behalf as much as she did. There is no other way to be saved than by the grace that God gives you in Christ. You see, we see two truths here that, that are equally dangerous, or two lies here that are equally dangerous that Jesus answers uh, in one, one question, basically. The first lie is that, well, God, you know, He doesn't really care what I can do, I, what I do. I'll just go on living how I want. No, He says, 
I forgive you or you're, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. He requires or He changes our lives as a basis, uh, as a result of the forgiveness that He offers. The other side of it is, is I can be good enough or I can do good enough to get into heaven. That's a lie too. The truth is, is your worst day, that worst sin that we were talking about a minute ago, isn't bad enough to keep you from the, the salvation that Christ offers you. But your best day isn't good enough to get you into heaven. You need His grace. And His grace is available for you. Whatever sin you thought of when we began this morning, that one thing you wish you could go back and change, whatever that is, Christ offers you forgiveness. He offers you freedom. He offers you a a freedom from the guilt and the shame that you feel. He offers you to, to be set free. All he asks is that you come and ask for it. That you come and say, Lord, I need to be set free, and he will give it. Come and ask him to save you this morning. Come and ask him to forgive you this morning. And if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, you're still struggling with that. Guys, if Jesus forgave you, surely you can forgive you. Who cares what other people think about you? As long as he has forgiven you and he has saved you, his, his say is the only say that matters. His, his decision is the only decision that matters. No one else has the decision on whether or not you're getting in, on whether or not you have a relationship with Him. His decision is the only decision that matters. So will you decide to trust on Him, to follow Him? He offers you freedom. He offers you grace and mercy this morning. If you're a believer, He's already given that to you. So give it to the people in your life. Quit withholding forgiveness from the people around you. Offer that forgiveness in the way that He's given it to you. If you've been saved, if you've been forgiven, give that freedom to the people in your life. Don't try and hold them hostage like these guys did. But be reminded of the grace He has given you. Don't walk out of here this morning unchanged by the power of His grace and His forgiveness. Let Let me pray for us. Father, I thank You. Lord, I thank You for Your grace, Your mercy, and the Gospel, Lord. God, I pray that... Lord, I just pray that You would be honored that you would be exalted in the way we respond to the message of grace that he has given us. Lord, that you would help us, God, to depend on you and rely on you. God, that we would show grace to the people in our lives that need grace. God, that we would live grace, that we wouldn't try and earn your favor, we wouldn't try and earn your salvation. But God, that we would just rest in it. God, help us, help us to forgive the people in our lives, help us to forgive ourselves. Help us, God, to, to trust on the forgiveness you have offered us. Lord, I pray that we would depend on uh, the, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus' name.